You're listening to Giants Croncast, a podcast chronicling the San Francisco Giants, featuring Brian Murphy and Doug Brazoni, part of FFSN, Fans First Sports Network. It's always nice to get a sweep on the road, but Doug, were there any times, well, let me, over under, three and a half times you thought, oh, they're going to lose this game at any point this week, this weekend against the Pirates. Oh, way over, way (laughs) over. Every one of those games, I thought at multiple points in the game, they're going to lose. So the first game, right, they have a lead and then they lose it. You're like, okay, they're going to lose. And then... They're, you know, they're looking okay, but it's like, okay, they're going to lose. And then they don't. The The second game was was a tight one, and then they there's a little bit of a comeback, and they, they get the first guy on in the in the ninth, and you're like, okay, they're going to lose. And they don't. Uh, yep. And then the Sunday game, you, I was thinking it basically until the 10th inning, until the bottom of the 10th inning. <laughs> just like every game, I had a new reason that they were going to lose that game, uh, and they just managed not to. Yeah. I mean, they they lost the lead in in the Friday game uh, and then late rallies in in basically all three games, <laughs> like all their runs yeah. uh, seventh inning or later. It's one of those things where it's like, I, I mean, we talked about this with the Rockies, like they should have uh, swept the Rockies really ideally. But that's baseball, right? Where it's like, ah, uh, crap. They, yeah, the it's baseball. Any team can win. Just ask the Yankees when you face the Rockies. But, <laughs> but it was one of those things where you look at the Pirates and you look at the Giants on paper and you go, okay, the Giants are the better team. Yes, they've had their struggles in, uh, in Pittsburgh a little bit. The Pirates pitching is kind of suspiciously not as solid in the bullpen as you would think. It's basically David Bednar and then maybe you could get to the other guys. And that's basically what happened, even though the Giants struck out a lot and they didn't score for very long stretches. But uh, I don't know, a, a good start to a very long and treacherous road trip that they're on. And we'll talk about that more in a little bit. But we should talk about the other big news, Doug, that happened last week. But not spend a lot of time on this, because if you're listening to this, you probably consumed all the coverage of it. But the All-Star Game and the MLB Draft uh, they happened in close proximity. Uh, Alex Cobb, Camilo Duvall were both involved in the All-Star game, and they didn't vomit on themselves and embarrass us all as Giants fans. <laughs> Just imagine imagine I have a giant banner that says, we did it. <laughs> Mission accomplished. For once. Uh, <laughs> yeah, back in 2015, Doug, you wrote from McCoveyChronicles.com, a history of San Francisco Giants pitchers in the All-Star game, in which your conclusion was... Since moving to San Francisco, Giants pitchers as a group haven't done too well in the All-Star game. But if you just manipulate the stats a little <laughs> bit to ignore the parts you don't want to remember, then they get way better. Oh, Atlee, poor guy. Atlee Hammaker, rest in peace. No, I'm just kidding. This is a good way to do statistical analysis, and we should probably apply these teachings to every aspect of baseball. I agree. So let's focus on the great stats that the Giants All-Stars put in. Alex Cobb, scoreless inning. Camilo Duvall, scoreless inning. Got the win. Fantastic. Alex Cobb almost took someone's head off. Now it's all fog to me. But uh, <laughs> we're kind of used to them, to Giants fans getting embarrassed. I mean, Johnny Cueto lost an All-Star game. Rob Nen. Uh, gave up the homer that led to the tie in 2002. I don't think Tim will never forget that. Started, was very good. Yeah, I mean it's there's some there's some, some ignominy, uh, ignominy. Yeah, we'll yep. say ignominy. 
in in the history of Giants pitchers in the All Star game. So it's nice that uh, a couple guys showed up and didn't give up a run. If you told me each of them would pitch an inning, I'd be like, well, one of them's going to give up a run. Like that's just like that's done. That's a that's there. It's just a fact. It's not even an insult. That's how it works. Uh, <laughs> so I'm I'm very impressed that that did not happen. Didn't Cobb walk somebody? Oh. <laughs> Yeah, Cobb, Cobb walked Shohei Otani is who he walked, which is a good move. You know what? If you're going to walk somebody, yeah. Uh, right, yeah, but when, when he walked walk- Cobb, when he walked Cobb, that's or when Cobb walked him, that's when I was like, here we go. Yeah. Here we go. The nenning is occurring. It's taking place. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so, of course, this the, the Giants helped the National League win the All-Star game for the first time since 2012 when a bunch of Giants – uh, ganged up on Justin Verlander in Kansas City. So that means, of course, that the Giants are going to win the World Series this year, right, Doug? Yeah, I think so. I mean, as we all remember, that was the last time a bunch of Giants ganged up on Justin Verlander in a big game that year. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha, just kidding. Uh, uh, but, I mean, if you remember 2012, um, it was such a like a Giants production that they even had Matt Kemp in the dugout on a, mi- on, a, on a microphone saying, man, it's the San Francisco Giants show right now. And I was like, that's right, Matt Kemp. You and your weird tattoo of your grandma are okay by me today, uh, even though you're a Dodger. People um, do not like the Giants. You look at <laughs> something I want to talk about in a little bit, but you know, nationwide, whenever the Giants do well, people just that the I was going to say masks off. We re, we reveal the dark, ugly edge of humanity. But it turns out people just don't like the Giants. They just don't like them. So, well, it's always fun in the All Star game when they have an extra reason to not like them. Yeah, I mean they they don't like uh, their San Francisco values. I think that's that's most of it. Um, uh, I shouldn't keep talking about that. Um, We get strongly, we get strongly rated against whenever we talk out of line of baseball, even when we talk about baseball things that touch on outside of baseball issues, people don't like that. (laughs) Uh, For the same reason they don't like the giants. That's right. Uh, so people who have no choice but to like the Giants, unless they don't want to uh, sign a huge signing bonus, are draftees from the MLB draft. Was that a good transition? No, it wasn't a good transition. But the Giants also, in addition to helping win the All-Star game, they had a pretty stellar uh, draft that took place a, a couple of days before uh, and concurrently with the All-Star game. And so let's talk about that very briefly, because, again, we've done a lot of coverage. I podcasted quite a lot about the and wrote about the draft, which I wasn't expecting to, but I did. Uh, and effectively, it boils down to this, Doug. The Giants can now sit at the cool kids table with the with the scouting people and the, the, the Sabre people because they basically had the stealthy best draft of almost any team. If you ask Jim Callis, he wrote they had the second best quality draft. The Reds had the best, but... Everyone is very high on what the Giants were able to do because they effectively got four top 50 guys with their top four picks. So extending effectively extending the first round beyond the first round is is another way of looking at it. Actually, top 40 picks. Uh, So uh, pre pre draft rankings is what I mean. Yeah, I mean, it's exciting to see the Giants have a draft class that experts are like, this is good because usually they have a draft class and people are like, I mean, I guess. And we're like, <laughs> no, I'm going to talk myself into this for two years. You just watch me. 
Uh, and then Hunter Bishop still hasn't played above A-ball. So <laughs> uh, I, I'm just kidding, Hunter. I know, I know you're listening. Get better soon. But no, I mean, it's when, when you have people who are saying nice things about your team, even though the draft is a total crapshoot and like you know that intellectually, it's still, it's still good. Like you still feel good about yourself a little bit to be like, that's right. That's right. My team is doing good things. Um, and especially because, you know, they're actually having a good season in the majors this year too. You're like, this is a smart team. They know what they're doing. They're on top of it. Uh, and sure, like two of these guys are going to disappoint me horribly, but that's okay because I'm going to pretend they won't. And then you have the room for the Von Brown surprises and that kind of thing. You know, the possibility for sure. They could all bust. They could all hit. There's like uh, many permutations of it. And you're totally right, Doug. It's it's a crapshoot. You'd like to think that's not the case. Eh, just to piggyback on your whole like what the Giants drafts usually get, the usual response to a Giants draft of shrug, I guess. In this case, they're they're conforming more to like a conventional wisdom but in, in a way that, that actually breaks, it's very positive for them. In the past, the Giants have sort of seemed like they've over they've outthought themselves. Well, signability, can we get this guy? Does he fit here? Does he want to come play with us? And at least to some degree, there's a lot of Giants just saying, like, let's just sign him and see what happens. Or, like, let's just draft him and, and like and see, and maybe it'll work. And I think there that is a slight difference in their approach. And they're not necessarily looking at like, what's this guy's floor? We're not caring about the ceiling, which is what previous one uh, administrations, I guess you could say, had focused on. Like, we got to see if we can get these guys to the majors or make them trade bait. And here they're like, let's take talent and use whatever developmental strengths we have and apply them and and if and try to figure out what the signability can be. Because obviously, if you're drafting guys in the second round who are, you know, Walker Martin was supposed to be a first round pick. Uh, he and the Giants got, got him in the second round. He was ranked number 30th and he's the 52nd pick. It, he's obviously got a bonus, a slot attached, uh, bonus slot amount attached to him by MLB, uh, uh, suggested value. And who knows how the Giants are going to work that out. But you'd like to think that the Giants are smart enough to figure out like bonus pool allocation and this and that, like the, no way to make it all work. Where maybe previous Giants ones weren't as good at math. And figuring that stuff out and and maybe weren't willing to take risks based on that. So I, at least in that regard, I'm like, there is a little bit of a difference philosophically um, getting the best players. I would never sit there and say Brian Sabian wasn't trying to get the best players, but I would certainly say Sabian and Bobby Evans were looking at like, well, based on the limitations, based on what we know we can do, that kind of thing. And I think there is a little bit of a mindset shift there. Yeah, I mean, I would certainly say that the Giants did not, in previous years, the Giants did not use the comp- com- compensation pick for losing Mike Stanton to draft John Gian- Carlos Stanton. No. Which they could have done, which is it. And that's one of those things that, you know, I remember Grant was big on that at the time, and, and he was right. That was, that was a bad move. Yep. Well, I mean... They made a lot of bad moves with the the talent pool, <laughs> with the drafting and development, and, and only kind of by inertia did it all work out for a time. Let's though pick maybe our favorite. Let's just let's limit it to one because I'm I'm going to assume all of our listeners have kind of gone through the list or they're heeding our whole it's a crapshoot kind of thing. So Doug, who's the pick that stands out to you? Your favorite for whatever reason, any criteria you want. So my favorite is their fourth round pick, Maui Ahuna. 
God damn it. That's who I was. (laughs) (laughs) Because he is from Hilo, Hawaii, and I was on the Big Island Hawaii last year. And and I, I really liked it there. So I'm rooting for him. I picked him because his name's Maui Ahuna. Yeah. <laughs> Which is an awesome name. It um, is an awesome name. That's true. He has the best name of any anyone in the class. I also like Pulp Fiction. It's not one of my favorite movies, but if I thought of a field of 25 or 30, it might be on that list. And then it reminds me of Big Kahuna Burger. So Big Ahuna Burger. I mean, right there. Big Ahuna Burger, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, for Tennessee this past year, if you if you didn't know anything about him, he had 312, 425, 537. Uh, his college career he transferred to Tennessee uh, is resplendent. It's incredible. Uh, a 341, 439, 534 slash for his career. Not a big home. Well, I don't know for college. For home run, pretty good home run guy. 17 home runs in 592 at-bats. Not terrible. And then effectively a one and a half strikeouts to walk ratio. That's really good. That's really good. <laughs> 93 career walks to 164 strikeouts. Uh, only five ground uh, double plays in his career. So I, I assume contact and speed. I got to say the the whole their first round pick Bryce Eldridge, uh, you know, the whole uh, idea of him being, you know, he's a two way player. I got to tell you, Doug, I'm not like impressed by that until it starts happening more. I'm just kind of ignoring it, that it's a thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's just two different ways for him to succeed. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Um, I want more of that. I have no, nothing against it. And I'm glad that Shohei Otani is finally breaking a hundred years of orthodoxy in that regard, because if a guy has the talent to do it, why not? But before their, you know, baseball minds were like, we don't have the creativity or the patience to deal with that. So we're not going to coach to that or, <laughs> or, you know what I mean? Like, we're not going to adapt to that. We, we need everyone to fit in their discrete boxes and, and deal that way. So I appreciate, I like creativity because that's another way of uh, finding, unlocking hidden value. So cool draft. That's right. And um, I, I do have one other thing to say about Huna, which is that, he was after his sophomore year, which was at Kansas. He was viewed as a first round pick. Uh, then he uh, he went to Tennessee, had a little bit worse year, went in the fourth round. That is actually very similar to what happened with Brandon Crawford. So, mm. am I saying that Maui Ahuna is the next Brandon Crawford? Uh, at least a seventy percent chance. Yep. Uh, yeah, I, I think you know maybe seventy five, but I, uh, I think I'll take that. <laughs> uh, shout out to the Giants' final pick, their twentieth round pick. Is it Nadir Lewis? Yep. <laughs> Out of Princeton. And uh, congrats to having an amazing name. And maybe just uh, as a cool uh, little mark, the Giants are like, we'll make him our Nadir of the draft. Make him the last oh, pick. <laughs> we hit bottom in our picks. That's right. That's exactly right. This is the bigger news of the week, Doug, I think. There has mm-hmm. been a lot of talk kicked around on the social media the the uh, mouthpieces for the Giants, you know, KMBR, one, two of the hosts were like, the Giants should trade everybody for Shohei Otani. It should just be Shohei Otani and and Austin Slater, and that's the team, <laughs> and that's it. And then Susan Slusser came on, and she was like, yeah, the Giants should try everything they can to get Shohei Otani. He's not going to cost as much as you might think. He's not going to cost like Juan Soto because he's effectively a rental. So we're here to talk about that because 
I have very strong opinions about it, and I suspect maybe Doug does too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the most important thing to know is that um, Sunday, so yesterday, a little bit before 7 p.m. West Coast time, Bob Nightingale tweeted, Otani at this juncture is staying put. So we know that Shohei Otani will get traded. <laughs> and we Bob, know Bob is undefeated. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and we know, but then this ties into my thing. We know it's not going to be the Giants because Bob Nightingale earlier on Sunday tweeted the Giants won their fifth consecutive game and are now 41 and 25 since May 1st, the second best record in MLB behind only Atlanta. The Giants now are currently tied with the D-backs, just two games behind the Dodgers in the NL West. So we just tanked their season. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> uh, I was I trying mean, to explain yeah. Bob Nightingale's tweets as curses. And I'm like, <laughs> there are two. he's a national reporter, so your team can sometimes hide from him. But if he shines a light on you, it's like it's like the angel of death has spotted you and you're dead. <laughs> yeah. And that's what's happening. I will say the one way that Bob makes it possible the Giants trade for Otani is they tank for the next two weeks. And they're like, you know who will fix this problem? Let's trade Marco Luciano, and then it doesn't work. (laughs) And so let's get into the the nitty-gritty of it. I think anyone listening to this podcast is at the very least on the fence. Maybe there are a lot of people who are like, Otani, Otani, at all all points. I don't know. This is My message is this. I don't think the Giants should trade for Otani, understanding that this is the only way that Shohei Otani would ever be a San Francisco Giants. Yeah. I mean, so the thing I I kind of go back to, um, and I think this trade would actually take more than that is the Andrew McCutcheon trade where it was cool that Andrew McCutcheon was on the Giants. I liked him. He was, he was, it wasn't his best season, but he was pretty good. You know, he he was a good player to have on the team. Um, And the trade ended up being a disaster for the Giants because they gave away Brian Reynolds. I don't think you can do that at this point. That's the entire kind of team building structure the Giants have is you collect as many of your prospects as possible. And then you, you throw 20 of them at the wall and then three of them stick and they're cheap for six years. And then that that's how you make a team. And so getting rid of, it would be several of those guys, um, including it would have to be at least one of the highest level ones for two months of Shohei Otani when I don't think that it would, I, I very strongly doubt that an extra two months to negotiate with him for a free agent deal would do anything. Uh, it, it does not make sense with the, with what it's going to cost. Otani is great. There is no one in baseball more entertaining. Uh, but I, I just can't see how, it fits into the Giants plan. So that's, yeah, that's the rational, you know, and you look at things like Kyle Harrison would probably have to be in that deal. Well, then who replaces Alex Wood in the rotation next year? Understanding that you can make the case, well, who's going to replace Alex Wood in the rotation this year? That's an (laughs) issue. There's no question, but you know, you're kind of, if Harrison's not going to get called up this year, which is not likely, but it's still in the, the probability levels are probably higher than maybe we thought a month ago. He's not quite where they want him to be. He'll probably get called up, but you know, like you're going to have to fill in one rotation spot. We're talking about 55 or 56 games of Shohei Otani. And I got to be honest with you. Are the giants getting out of the first round with 
Shohei Otani and a bunch of platoon guys around him. I don't, I'm, that's the thing. I think there's a lot of like, anything can happen in the playoffs. Well, I'm still a big believer that any Billy Bean uh, constructed team is not getting out of the first round. That's kind of his whole deal. And uh, if nothing else, Farnsidey is an acolyte of Billy Bean. And so the Giants aren't going to get out of the first round. Let's just assume. Also, baseball's hard. Who knows? So do you want to give up all that for Shohei Otani? Do I want Giants to have Shohei Otani? Yes, I absolutely do. At what cost is the question? I mean, they're not going to sign him in the offseason. No top of the market free agent wants to go there. There's plenty of reasons. Left-handed power gets suppressed at Oracle Park. The other part of it for the Giants process, Doug, is a pitcher for five plus years. That doesn't fit their model at all. They're not going to do that that deal. that's the key because he's also a hitter. So that's why sure, they, but they could justify it. Could they justify it though? Knowing that he'll be playing in a park that suppresses his power, which is his biggest, his biggest trait as a hitter. You know what I mean? Like, so it's like, so you're going to actually get diminished Otani. You're going to get diminished aging Otani who has a very, he has a chance as a pitcher to be an injury risk. And then when he's injured as a pitcher, how much will you still be able to hit? Can you hit home runs when you have Tommy John surgery? You know, that that kind of thing. And then if you're paying a guy for what would cost, you're paying him $50 million a year or $45 million or whatever, it's based on that he can do two things. Well, if he can only do one thing and that might only in three years, you know what I mean? Like I can see it from the Giants risk management perspective. And one of those like, you know, the Sabre way of like good players actually aren't good, which is like the most... <laughs> A frustrating thing about this revolution is like more often than not, they're right. They're like, you know, you love this player, but guess what? He won't be good forever. And we can actually pinpoint that date. You know, just as it's true by the time a guy gets to free agency, you, his best years are more often than not behind him. And you're really talking about two or three years of, of maybe his prime, maybe if you're lucky. At the same time, Doug, this argument seems like that onion piece about a war in the Middle East will destabilize things and make things worse for us. And then the other, the counter argument is no, it won't. <laughs> What's, yeah. Isn't that the, yeah. So it's like getting Shohei Otani will destable the Giants player development pipeline and actually hamstring them in the future versus no, it won't. They'll have Shohei Otani for 55 games. <laughs> <laughs> and, and in that case, there's no, there's no rational argument that could be made. I would think if the Giants do trade for him, this is somehow Farhan not having complete control of baseball operations. I just don't see it happening that he would go after him at the trade deadline. Yeah, it's it just it doesn't seem likely to me either. Um, it doesn't fit in with what we've seen from him from Zaidi. Uh, you know, they the when they were in the hunt in 2021, you know, obviously they had a, a great team. They got a really good player. But they didn't, you know, the cost for for Chris Bryant was a guy they weren't going to be able to protect in the Rule 5 draft the next year and a pitching prospect who was overperforming. So I don't, they might go a little higher than that um, with the the caliber prospect they give up. Like maybe they do give up a Von Brown type or something, but I I just don't see them giving up what it'll take to get Otani. And at least I don't see them doing something because he's it's 55 games. I don't see them doing something like we'll take on Anthony Rendon's contract. Like I don't, I mean like which that would make to me, I could see a scenario where they get a little clever 
and they're like, we'll help you there. And then we won't have to give up as many prospects. I, I think Rendon has two more years at, at least. He doesn't fit their roster. He would put them into the luxury tax for this year. I, I couldn't see that. That would be one variant, I guess I could imagine, if that were a deal. But then why would the Angels do that? Yeah, there's there's no reason um, to think that would happen, basically. It, we fall into the Rodon situation. The Giants were able to get a first-round talent to draft pick for letting Carlos Rodon walk. And you could argue that what they got was better or at least the same as what they could get if they had traded Rodon at the deadline. And actually, you could make the argument that what they got was better. You could just make flat out the argument that getting a draft pick uh, that that's a first round talent um, in the second round with the compensation pick is more valuable than any prospect they could have gotten for Rodon as a rental at the last deadline. And so then that's the situation the Angels find themselves in. How are you going to even find equivalent value if you're trading Shohei Otani? So from the Angels' perspective, there's kind of, it is Marco Luciano plus Von Brown or Kyle Harrison or something like that. It is a big ask because why wouldn't you? You're more, you know, otherwise you're going to get your compensation pick for Otani. You know, it's going to, there's going to be that. Um, and also, I think there's probably at least one team out there that's willing to go really big to get Otani and look really silly doing it. Yeah, 100%. And uh, that team is the Padres. So. <laughs> well, well, so then that's funny because now now if that were to happen, let's say, that might be a time. Remember when like the Dodgers were doing all those three-team deals and all you know some Giants fans like me were like, harumph, Giants can't get in on any of those things because they don't have the prospects. Well, what if Juan Soto wound up on the Giants because the Padres traded for Shohei Otani? That could work. I could. That's <laughs> yeah, that, not implausible. It's just, right. I mean, that'd be, that. a, that'd be a year and two months of Juan Soto, which is different and, than just two months. And in that case, the prospect capital would have to be more going to the Angels as a result of that. But that makes more sense. You yeah. know what I mean? Like that. That's like I would do that. That's definitely worth the risk for me. Um, yeah. I mean, Shohei Otani is an amazing player. If the Giants somehow defy all the odds to get him in the offseason, I will buy an Otani jersey, which I don't buy player jerseys. I don't. I will be very happy to have him on the team for the two or three years he's a pitcher and hitter. But <laughs> but odds are it's not going to happen, and I don't think that pushing for the Giants to get a guy to get him is the move. Um, I mean, at the same time, I get it because the alternatives are like, oh, the Giants are going to get Cody Bellinger and Marcus Stroman from the Cubs for some people. That's going to be kind of boring, even if that helps them win. <laughs> but that's that's kind of what is more reasonable to expect. And I would say that the Giants doing a risk of like signing Logan Webb to that extension, that was management being like, you got to do something. And then look, the team has turned it around and has had a great season, even though Bob Nightingale just killed him. R.I.P. Let's do a quick series preview for this Red Series because it's most of the week. It's a four-game series, and it's against the Cincinnati Reds. And Ellie De La Cruz, we get our first glimpse of him, 21-year-old, exciting prospect or you know rookie for the Reds who they're making up StatCast records for just to show how awesome he is. Uh, with like he's he's got the hardest throw from third to first or whatever. It's like every time you see it, it's like, well, that's no one no one cares about that. Okay, uh, but no, the no, Reds we, we do- cared when it was Casey Schmidt. We did care that's, then. That's true. We don't care now. That is fair. Uh, the Reds are starting off the post All Star break on an zero and three 
skid. They're six and six here in July. Uh, they're still in the in the wild card hunt. They're doing just fine there. They have a better road record than home record, though. And even though it's four games and every time the Giants play in Cincinnati, it feels like a waking nightmare. That's almost <laughs> worse than playing against the Rockies and Coors. Going back, the Giants have actually, and I'm jinxing them, but you know what? Bob jinxed them first. Giants have actually never lost a four-game series this century against the Reds. Three-game series, yes. Actual effing nightmares. But <laughs> but at least in the four games so far, it hasn't quite worked out against the Giants. And I think the anti the the poor road record or home record, they're even being outscored at home for the Reds, maybe kind of helps the Giants as well. But it's going to be a tough series regardless. The Reds are, thankfully for their fans, having a really, really good season. And they have a lot of really talented players that are going to cause a lot of problems for the Giants. The Reds, they've done it. Like, they've, they've turned it around. Um, their offense has been really very strong this year. Look at the guys on the roster right now. Um, they're not getting a lot out of the catcher spot. Uh, but otherwise, I mean, they're, they're getting production up and down the lineup. Joey Votto, uh, you know, he has a, he's only had 73 plate appearances, but he has a 143 OPS plus. Um, and they have Spencer Steer, Matt McLean, Will Benson, TJ Friedel, Jick Fraley. Never heard of any of them. And they're all, they're all good hitters this year with OPS pluses over 100. Um, actually over 117. Yeah. The lowest in that group is 117. Um, and so that's a good, like, you go six di- deep in the lineup of guys who are significantly above average hitters. That's going to be a tough lineup. Their, their pitching staff is the number by, by ERA. They're not too bad, but they're mostly overperforming, especially in the bullpen. So, you know, cause the giants only score runs late in games. That might be the sort of thing <laughs> that you take advantage of. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're a little yeah. bit like the Pirates, though, where it's like if you get to their closer, you're in trouble. Alexis Diaz, I believe, was their all-star rep as well. Um, he's been tough, but you're he absolutely right. He has been right. tough and like legitimately tough, too. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they have uh, they have Derek Law on the team, our old friend Derek Law, who has a 242 ERA this year in 26 innings. But a 451 FIP, which ties into everything right. else you were saying. They're, most of their bullpen, their primary arms, are their FIPs are almost five. Their starting rotation, only Hunter Green, who's on the IL, that's the kid that throws 100 pretty regularly. He has a 358 FIP. But everyone else on that staff is close to five. The Giants will face two lefties on uh, bookending the series. Brandon Williamson, his FIP is 517, a 521 ERA. So you know he's going to pitch shutout. Uh, and then the close the series will be 24 year old. I think he's a rookie, Andrew Abbott, who actually has a 433 FIP, 245 BRA. So, you know, another shutout. So, what can the Giants do with those <laughs> other two games is kind of the question. Luke Weaver with his 7 ERA and 574 FIP. I believe he's a former Diamondback, right? Uh, yeah, and so, you know, there, there's just those things where it's like on paper, again, the Giants, Doug, it, when it's time to hit, you got to hit. I, I've been saying it for so long. Uh, the Giants, the Giants listened at the end of the games in Pittsburgh. They should start listening at the beginning of the games in Cincinnati. It's also time to hit in the first inning, guys. And you know what you do when it's time to hit. Uh, Austin, hit. Slater, Austin Slater hasn't looked embarrassing lately, but he hasn't looked like the absolute demon he is against left-handed pitching. And I'd like to see that change. I'd like to see Austin Slater become a monster during this series where where it's like 
no, don't let him face left-handed pitching if you're the Reds. He he's he's a he's a menace, and I want him to get back to that. He's uh the other day uh, against the Pirates, it's just like he missed some pitches. Oh, it was a uh, Rich Hill. Rich Hill got him the chase on this absolute you know stupid fastball out of the zone to strike out, and it's just like I get it. It's Rich Hill. He's a clever veteran, but it's Austin Slater against the left-handed pitcher, and Austin Slater, being a Stanford grad, he's smart enough to know. This is where I make my money, goddammit. <laughs> so I, I hope he can take it to a Reds team, but it'll obviously be more than that. Hopefully Logan Webb playing on the road. Remember, we've highlighted he's like almost two runs more on the road than he is at home. Definitely a run and a half more. And this is a place where it's very easy to give up home runs. So we'll see what happens, but uh It'll be a tough series, but the Giants are on paper at least as good as the Reds, who are very good this year. And I'm glad because their owner, ooh, those fans do not deserve that ownership. So no, they they do not. Though, I'll, to be honest, the ownership does not deserve a winning team. So you know, fair, fair, in, fair. They don't deserve fair credit yeah. to their. Remember though, they after they got rid of the last regime, which was like what Walt Jockety or whatever it was like the old Cardinals people. Like when they started putting things back together, remember David Bell left the Giants to go over there. Like they really did try to build everything. And then Castellini started like just ripping all the resources out. So it's nice to see at least like their plan that they had when they started has kind of borne fruit. But you're totally right. They that ownership group does not deserve any success. (laughs) Doug, are you going to write about any of this this week? And where are you going to do it? Probably. Uh Whatever I write about this week, you can find it giantsdug.substack.com on Tuesdays and Thursdays. I'll be previewing the series in a little more detail on McCoveyChronicles.com. I got to try to also find something fun to write about, like a, a funny post. Remember, we used to do those, but the world is such a serious place now. So tough. So tough to do that. I, I do. Uh, I also remember we used to do the StubHub posts. I miss the StubHub posts. They paid us. <laughs> That's right. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're, don't forget, we're on Fans First Sports Network at Fans First SN. The website will be launching soon. So if you want to find out more about that, uh, follow the account there on Twitter. And I'm sure all that launch information will come out soon. We will be back on Thursday with Interesting and Concerning as the Giants continue their 11-game road trip. So until then, go Giants!